Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Titus chapter 1, what was left unfinished, verse 5, and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Now the word for elder, is, as I mentioned, is presbyteros. It speaks of an older man. And then he's going to go on and he's going to talk about some of these characteristics. I want you to notice in verse 7, we'll skip over verse 6 for a second, he calls this same person an overseer. So if you're interested, the word for elder is presbyteros. The word for overseer is episkopos, where we get the word episcopalian. Sometimes it's translated bishop, but it technically means an overseer. So here's how it works. The elder is kind of the mature description of the same person. The episkopos or overseer is what he does. He oversees the church. And there's one more term called poimeno. And poimeno means a shepherd or a pastor. I'll show you really quick. Turn to the book of Acts. Go to chapter 20. Acts 20, look at verse 17 with me. This is a good... Uh, cross-reference to see three terms used for the same office. It's found in Acts 20, verse 17, and here's what it says. From Miletus, Acts 20, 17, Paul sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. Acts 20, verse 17, there's the word presbyteros, the mature, older gentleman. He called the elders of the church plural to himself. Skip ahead to verse 27 of Acts 20. Paul says to these elders, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose or counsel of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. They're elders in verse 17. They're called overseers, episkopos, in verse 28. And they are called to what? To shepherd the church of God, same verse, 28, which he, Jesus, purchased with his own blood. Verse 17, elder. Verse 28, you have uh, overseer and pastor. So this is the same office. You've heard people try to make the argument that an elder or a pastor or a bishop or overseer are the same person. It just describes that he's mature, that he's overseeing the church, and his main job is to feed and lead the sheep that belong to Christ. It's his church. He purchased them. Go back to Titus. So you can see that these are interchangeable terms. This is describing the same person. A pastor is technically an elder. An elder is technically an overseer. Uh, they're, they're interchangeable terms for the same office. Now Paul is going to describe what this person should look like. He is, verse 6, Titus 1, to be above reproach. And he is, notice in verse 7, also called to be above reproach. So back in Titus, look at verse, the repetition, above reproach in verse 6, above reproach in verse 7. He must be, verse 7, above reproach. This is an absolute necessity. He cannot be reproachable. What does that mean? It does not mean that he needs to be sinless. If he needs to be sinless, there are going to be no elders on the planet. But he needs to be blameless. What does that mean? It means that in his observable conduct in life, there is no open charge that could be rendered against him that would stick. So, Someone could accuse an elder pastor of a number of different things. It's not so much the accusation. It's whether or not it's true. The literal language of above reproach in Greek means he cannot be held. He cannot be held the bars behind the bars of an accusation that would be true. He's true to his wife, for example. He is true to his calling. 
He doesn't cheat on his taxes or rip off people for money, etc., etc. You fill in the blanks. He is not literally able to be held. He is unreprovable. He has a good testimony, 1 Timothy 3, inside and outside the church. In verse 7, notice he is called God's steward. The overseer must be above reproach as God's steward. The word steward is familiar to a lot of us. It means an overseer. Yeah, Joseph was the steward in Potiphar's house in the book of Genesis. He was given control of what belonged to Potiphar, but he managed it. It was Potiphar's. He was simply managing it. The elders of a church or pastors of a church manage the church for the ultimate uh, leader of the church, the ultimate shepherd who is Christ. We are under shepherds, under the chief shepherd. Amen? So we are to shepherd as he would have a shepherd. We are to submit to his authority and to lead the church that he purchased with his own blood. We are simply stewards. It's not my church. The church does not belong to the elders. It belongs to Jesus. But I've been made a steward of it, just like I've been made a steward of my family and a steward of my money. And the requirement is that I manage it well. In verse 6, as he goes through the characteristics of this man, he is to be the husband of one wife. There's been a lot of debate about what this means. Does this mean that an elder could not have gone through a divorce? I don't think so. The Bible teaches that there are such a thing as biblical divorces. And there are many good men who were divorced for one reason or another, or even divorced before they became Christians or fought hard to keep a marriage afloat and it didn't happen. Not automatically disqualified because they went through a divorce. Neither does this exclude a single man. After all, when Paul's writing, he's probably not married. Titus may not be married, and Timothy may not be married. The husband of one wife is the norm, but singleness has its advantages for ministry, as Paul will say in 1 Corinthians 7, because it means you don't have to worry about a family and children and providing for all of that. You're kind of more free. It's not, this is the norm. It's not a requirement to be married, but marriage is one of the best places to identify whether someone is a serious and true leader as a Christian. If I wanted to find out someone was a Christian, I would not ask their pastor I would ask their wife, said D.L. Moody, right? I mean, you could fool your pastor. You can come up with the Christianese, but you can't fool your wife. So the home becomes the best testing ground for leadership. He is to be a one-woman man, is how Greek experts have said this should be rendered. His commitment and fidelity to his wife is unquestioned. He's not a philanderer. He doesn't cheat on his wife. He has a reputation for faithfulness to his bride. Let me ask you, how can someone be faithful to the bride of Christ and show fidelity to her, the church, and her message if he can't even be faithful to his own bride? That's the, that's the comparison. In a world that is filled with people who are cheating on one another and sleeping around and everybody's making it acceptable, the Bible says no. The Bible says you show fidelity to your wife. You be true to her. By the way, I'll just say this, and this isn't going to be politically correct, but this is what it is. This means that the position of an elder, pastor, or overseer is for men only. I'm not saying that in a demeaning way. Women were the backbone of the church and have been for 2,000 years. We can see that in the resurrection accounts. But God has an order. He has roles to play, and men are only to be in the role of elder, pastor, and overseer. So there are churches churches that we would respect doctrinally and be in agreement probably in a number of different areas. But how can an elder be the husband of one wife if she's female? 
I mean, it's just simple logic. Jesus chose 12 apostles. They were all male. The supporting group was largely filled with women, and they were more faithful than the 12 men. So don't ask me why he just chose men to be in these positions, because maybe women could do it better. I don't know. Some of you ladies are like, oh, yeah. Don't say you don't know, Pastor Michael, right? <laughs> but men have been given headship in the home and in the church. To do what? Not to dominate, but to die. We're supposed to die for our wives. We're supposed to love the church. We're supposed to be servants of the church. This is not about domineering. This is about dying. This is about using the gifts that you've been given to be a leader in your house and hopefully in the church. The fact that uh, he is the husband of one wife means he's a male, obviously, but that he is a one-woman man. And there have been many, many Leaders in the church, we are familiar with the stories that have fallen because of sexual sin. So we all have to be on guard. We know the enemy works in these areas. We know he's trying to divide households. We know he loves it when a pastor stumbles so that the media can jump on that story and try to discredit the church. So we have to be on guard. Devil with the blue dress on. Let me hear you say it. <laughs> Devil with the blue dress. Anyway, sorry. Lord, have mercy. Anyway, all right, let's keep going. He has to have children who believe. Second requirement, children who believe. The word believe is a Greek word which means faithfulness, and the word for children is tekna in Greek. Most scholars say that it, it means most of the time a child under your roof, still under your authority. Now, this, is, this has been a hard one because people can get hypercritical on these and they think all the children need to line up and hello sir nice to meet you and, and if there's ever a moment where that child's running around or if the parent was ever caught on camera going like this they're automatically disqualified no I'm just kidding <laughs> we're not talking about exceptions we're talking about patterns we're not talking about if a family has five children and one has become a prodigal, but the family is committed to the things of God. We're talking about a pattern. If in that family there's no believing child, they're out of control, there's no semblance of respect for authority, it doesn't seem like anybody in that household really believes or lives out their faith, you might not want to make that person an elder in the church. They have to start with their house. Our first mission field, of course, is our children. If we can't win our children, and of course, we can't control their hearts always, but we want to pour into them. We want to build our lives around the things of Jesus Christ. If you're a man sitting here this morning, let me just say to you, the Bible says that the elder is to be no newly planted person. He's not to be a new convert, but you don't have to stay a new convert. You can grow, and you can grow and aspire to the office of leadership. You can grow in terms of your own personal leadership in your house if you never become an elder. But the point is that we need to grow and we need to ground our family in the truth. I believe it's up to you gentlemen, speaking man to man, that you make sure if you're a newly married man or you're considering marriage, that your, your relationship is built on the foundation of Christ. And I would say to you, if I did premarital counseling with you, that church and your participation in the things of God is non-negotiable. I'm not talking about if you go on vacation or you're sick. I'm talking about the normal pattern of your life should be centered, that's what godliness is after all, in the things of God. And if it's not, you got some work to do. That doesn't mean you can't clean up your house and all of that. But you know what? This is the call for those who would aspire to this office. 
Children who believe, not accused of dissipation, which speaks of excess or rebellion, which is pretty obvious. You are listening to Living Truth Radio with Pastor Michael Lance. I'm Mike Massaro, and I know what you're thinking. Wait, why are you interrupting Pastor Michael's sermon? Well, I have a good reason. Since Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported program, it relies on donations from people just like you to stay on the air. Trust me, you can't always assume that someone else is going to be the one doing the donating. So if God has blessed you through our ministry, we'd encourage you to go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the donate button. Let's face it, the way the world's going these days, we need all the solid teaching we can get. So partner with us today. That's livingtruthradio.org. Now, back to Pastor Michael. Verse 7 says, The overseer, that's episkopos, must be above reproach as God's steward. He's not to be self-willed. Self-willed is the opposite of being God-willed or godliness. And here's a list of things that it says about this particular uh, call. And there's, uh, there's going to be bookends about not being self-willed but being self-controlled. There's five negatives, six positives in rapid fire. He's not to be self-willed. If you're taking notes, number one, it can speak of being overbearing or arrogant. A shepherd cannot be headstrong or autocratic. He must lead with God's will, God's power. He can have the authority of Christ, but it doesn't mean he doesn't listen to people or he steps all over people. That's not good leadership. Good leadership is not stepping all over people. It's opening your heart, it's listening to people, but it's still leading well. He is to be a man that is not quick-tempered. If you walk into Home Depot and see Pastor Michael choking the checker, you gave me the wrong amount of change, what's wrong with you? You might want to write an email to the rest of the leadership of the church and say, uh, you might want to give Pastor Michael a break or something. <laughs> Orgilon is the Greek word, not soon angry in the King James. He's not to be the kind of man who flares up in temper and people never know what to expect of him. He's not to be on the 91 freeway, uh, you know, speaking through a closed window. You know, rah, rah, rah. He's not to be in the church parking lot, you know, uh, cutting people off. Hopefully he's saying, go ahead, go ahead, right? Hopefully the 91 freeway is not the ultimate test because I would be disqualified as well, just to give you all hope. He's not to be addicted to wine. Third thing that it says in verse seven, not to be addicted to wine literally means he's not to linger over wine. Um, wine drinking is something that the church debates, and I'll just say this to you. If wine drinking um, excluded someone from leadership, then Jesus and the apostles aren't going to be on the elder board. However, the idea here is he doesn't linger over wine, or literally he's not given to wine. He's given to God. If you're dependent on drinking all the time, or you need it to help you in some way, you might want to revisit your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, Ephesians 5.18, but be what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. He's given to the Spirit. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have liberties, but it, it does mean that he's not lingering over wine. He doesn't mismanage his life for the sake of wine or intoxication, obviously, would disqualify him. Number four, look at verse seven. He's not to be pugnacious. Now, I looked up the Greek there, and pugnacious means anyone who owns a pug. <laughs> All right, so you're disqualified if you own a pug. Anybody own a pug? Nobody at first service? Some, one gentleman in the courtyard said, I was going to raise my hand just out of you know, sheer sympathy because they were probably afraid. But if you own a pug, you're disqualified. I'm just kidding. You're not. It's not what it means. It means that someone who is violent, 
It literally can speak of someone who's a bruiser, contentious, quarrelsome, severe. Uh, look at verse 7. He's not to be fond of sordid gain or pursuing dishonest gain. He can't be a man who takes advantage of people for money. Look, this is, this is a problem in the modern church, is it not? Where money pours into ministries and there's no checks and balances. So people you know, are, are driving a couple expensive cars and they're making promises to people and there's been primetime TV shows that have exposed ministries who throw prayer requests away that they ask for but keep the money. Staying in hotel rooms that cost ten dollars and $15,000 a night on ministry money. I'm sorry, that's not good stewardship. There are, there are people who... For the sake of the ministry, and this is what L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology, said. He said, the easiest way to make a million dollars in the United States is start a religion. And he did. And that religion is being exposed on primetime TV by Leah Remini on the A&E channel. And it needs to be exposed because it has destroyed many, many lives with false promises. Now, this is what the man of God is to do. He is to... Be a man of high character. That's how you could qualify or categorize these um, attributes. Now, there's going to be six positives. They're very self-explanatory. Look at verse 8. He's to be hospitable. He opens his heart and his home to strangers and to those in the body. He's to love what is good. He loves charity, good causes, virtue. He promotes good for others. Three, he's to be sensible. That means sober-minded. He's rational, restrained, disciplined, wise, and prudent. Number four, verse eight, he's to be just. He's to be a man who lives an upright life in accordance with God's laws. Uh, number five, he's to be devout. Devout means consecrated and committed to the things of God. Uh, last one in verse eight, self-controlled is obvious. He has restraint. This is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control. And then look at verse nine, final verse for uh, this afternoon. He's to hold fast the faithful word, verse nine, which is in accordance with the teaching, that he may be able to, uh, may, may be able both to exhort, parakaleo is the Greek word, it can mean encourage or, or exhortation, in sound doctrine, the word sound is where we get hygienic, healthy doctrine, and to refute, the idea of refute is to rebuke and correct those who contradict. By the way, the word refute, when you look it up in Greek, has the idea of expose false teaching. Now, there are a lot of people in the body of Christ that the moment that you say anything about a false teacher get upset, they think that should not be happening. However, folks, can I just submit to you, the Bible actually commands it. It, it makes it clear that after the characteristics of a man's character are laid out, the primary calling of a pastor, elder, overseer in the church is a teaching ministry. By virtue of the word of God, the teacher, pastor, elder is able to encourage the body and even exhort them to love and good deeds and to expose false doctrine. Now, you guys know I don't spend a lot of time up here naming names or exposing false doctrine. In many cases, I don't have to because I think you guys are so familiar with the truth that if you heard a liar preaching, you would know. Amen? I'm trying to get you so familiar with the real that if a counterfeit looms on the horizon, you would know it instantaneously. That's the work of the ministry. I don't want you to get sucked into some false teacher. So sometimes I'll say something hard. It may be hard for some people to hear. And I realized some years ago, the ministry is not a popularity contest. Uh, a few weeks back, we had a radio listener call the church. My wife was in the office. I was out here preaching. Praise God, my wife answered this phone call. 
And the lady was extremely upset with Pastor Michael. And my wife couldn't get a word in edgewise, but she happened to pick up the phone. Ah, whoever that was preaching on the radio, my husband. Uh, well, he said something about our group, and I don't like what he said. My wife couldn't get a word in edgewise. I was so grateful that she answered the phone and not me. Anyway, after it, it ended bad, that was a joke, but it was, I guess it was a poor one. But anyway, after the phone call ended, you know, I think my wife had to hang, finally hang up on the lady. She called back and left about seven messages on the answering machine. How dare him call out our group? We're well-meaning, we're sincere. Look, if sincerity was the test of true faith, then we wouldn't worry about passages like this. All we'd say is, are you sincere about what you believe? Because if you're sincere, that's all that really matters. That's our culture, right? Just if you're sincere, brother. So let's use an illustration. Let's say that someone sincerely believed that they could fly. Just a little pixie dust is all you need. I can fly, I can fly, I can fly. So they go to the top of the Empire State Building and they say, I have faith, I can fly. Go ahead and sprinkle some of that dust on me. All right, I'm ready. Whew. And they did a, a half gainer off the Empire State Building. There's a, a greater law in effect. It's called gravity. And I don't care how hard you believe in your powers of flight, faith is only as good as the object in which it is placed. And if you put your faith in the wrong thing, I don't care how sincere you are, it's not going to save you. Over and over again, the God of the Bible compares himself to the idols of the people and says, call upon them in your emergency. Call upon them when you're in trouble. See if they can predict the future. You know, next time you're in trouble, in fact, just go ahead and depend on them. See how good they deliver you. You see, false gods are impotent to save you. That's why the message of the gospel must be preached accurately and false doctrine must be exposed and refuted by good arguments. Why? For the sake of the cause and for the sake of the fact that we want to make sure people know the true Christ and are saved. Amen? This is the job of the church. This is what an overseer is supposed to do. I don't have to guess at my job description. Praise God. I already know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to give my attention to the public reading of Scripture and to teach the Word of God and cut it straight so that the church can be on the right path. Amen? And I'm not the only one doing it. There's a collective group of elders doing it at this church. And of course, all these faithful men that we've appreciated so much over the years, would you pray for them more? Would you pray for these men that are in pulpits? And would you pray for those who, frankly, for whatever reason, are bunting when they should be taking full swings? For the sake of filling pews and appeasing people, they don't preach the truth? They don't go through the Bible? That doesn't do anybody any good. Look, I hope even that person that was mad at me that's in a cult right now, maybe it made her think. If I never would have said anything, if I would have told her she was okay, she may not be revisiting what she believes. But I'm hoping she will, even if she has to be mad at me, so that she would embrace the truth and that the truth would set her free. Amen? Sometimes our doctor tells us stuff and we don't like it. You might say, you need to stop eating Twinkies, man. <laughs> but why? Well, because it's messing you up. Okay? Now, your doctor could tell you you're okay. <laughs> Sorry about the Twinkie analogy, but anyway... But it's not going to help you. Now, if he tells you the truth and you amend your ways, what can happen? You can benefit from it. The gospel message matters. Whole households were being undermined. You know, I watch some of the destruction that happens 
because of false teaching inside and outside the church. And you don't hear these groups talk a lot about their back doors, but people who have been given false promises about healing and wealth and, and health and all this stuff, their back door is pretty wide. Those people don't typically get interviewed by those church leaders. A lot of false promises are made in the name of Christ. Look, we need to be on track with the truth. And if we, if we do that, I think God will keep us where we need to be. John Calvin said it well, I leave you with this. A pastor needs two voices, one for gathering the sheep and the other for driving away the wolves and the thieves. The scripture supplies him with a means of doing both. And he who has been rightly instructed in it will be able to both rule or shepherd those who are teachable and to refute the enemies of the truth. After all, Jesus warned of false prophets and uh, wolves. This section is not talking about perfection because everybody would be disqualified, but, but there are some very, uh, there's no other way to take this, Oscar. You know, there, there's all this stuff about character. There's all this stuff about the man's commitment to his wife, to his home life, uh, that then flows into his ministry. So if that is off, if, if he can't manage his own household or he, he can't be faithful to his wife or he can't be calm, you know, in the world, in, in you know, uh, typical life situations, he can't, he can't rule God's church. He can't run um, with that ball of leadership in the church. So, yes, I, to answer your question, I've seen many people come in who immediately they want that teaching role, mm -hmm. um, but the teaching role springs out of a shepherd's heart. And I can't give somebody a shepherd's heart. If the Lord gives you a shepherd's heart, you have it. And when you do, um, the idea there is shepherding includes building up and feeding, protecting the sheep. And this is kind of where this is going. False teachers are going to be talked about, and that's because the sheep need to be protected. So Paul is basically saying here is that one needs to be accountable as, as a single person, of course. You have to be a person of standing. And then how do you rule not only over yourself, but also over your household if you are if you are married then if you have a heart to have a servant's heart for God submit yourself not just half-hearted but wholeheartedly I'm sure it's it's one of those things to where you really need to deny yourself and serve others to have like you mentioned that servant's heart as well as a shepherd's heart now he, let me let me chime in sure. and answer that for a second so what i think of is peter around that campfire in, mm -hmm. in john 21 when jesus says do you love me peter says you know that i love you then tend my sheep mm -hmm. i have been you know shaping you for the last three three and a half years peter to take this baton i'm going back to the father and the reason i've been pouring into you the way i have in training you and even letting you fail is that you might be a good shepherd. So we can't just separate out um, failures part, maybe of the, even the DNA, not relying upon ourselves, our own strength. I will never, though all forsake you, I won't, right? Yeah. So so there within that call, Oscar, there's obviously times when you, f when you come to the realization that it, can't, it cannot be done by any individual's natural gifting, if you will. Mm -hmm. It has to come from the Lord. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.